You are listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Nicholson. Joining me now are Ed Shanda and Chris Nice, two leaders of our insurance practice in the U.S. I first want to thank you both for joining me today. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the regulatory developments um, that are, have come out of this COVID-19 situation and some of the responses that we've seen from regulators, legislatures, et cetera. I want to start with, uh, and I'm just asking this question as, you know, as a, as a consumer who watches the news. I'm seeing a lot of coverage about, um, you know, business interruption coverage uh, and how, you know, the various insurers are navigating what's covered and what's not. Chris, I wonder if you could kind of set the stage for us there and, and help us navigate through what we're hearing in the media. Yeah, sure, Sierra. Thank, thank you. Um, so business interruption insurance is usually part of a property policy, and basically it protects the insured if, you know, property damage occurs, which causes them to have to close the business for a while. So the, insur- the property insurance will pay for, you know, repairing the property. Um, but also pay for the lost profits from uh, from closing the business. And there's a, another coverage embedded in there, which is called contingent business interruption, or CBI sometimes called, which protects the property owner if there's property damage off of the premises that's insured, but it interrupts the supply chain so that the, you know, the business has to close until uh, repairs are made or alternate uh, sources are found in their supply chain. So there are many different forms in use in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, There is a standard um, insurance services office form that a lot of companies have adopted and and then variations. But one thing that's often found in the BI-CBI coverage, business interruption, is um, something called a, a virus exclusion. So with the widespread closure of businesses due to coronavirus, of course, a lot of business owners would want to recover under this coverage, but recognizing um, that in 2006, the SARS virus kind of made the news that uh, insurers saw that when they got a claim due to a, a widespread pandemic, that it wouldn't just be one claim, but it would could be you know almost every policyholder that they had. Um, and insurers recognized that correlation is not their friend, it's, it's the enemy, because you know that would create a a huge surge in claims that may even, you know, threaten the ability of insurance companies to cover. So in 2006, in a lot of forms of virus exclusion or bacterial contamination exclusion, also called, uh, was introduced that would not provide coverage for business closures due to a pandemic. Um, So there are a couple of other clauses that come into play. Um, One requires property damage to a business or to a, you know, in the supply chain and property damage is defined in the form to not include virus or bacterial contamination. And there, there's also, you know, if you're closed because of the order of a civil authority um, due to a covered event, that there's coverage. But none of those actually would qualify for coverage under the standard form that's in use because in this case, because they were caused by a virus or bacterial contamination. So you have a widespread 
expectation in the industry that uh, business owners think they might have coverage, that they didn't you know, review the form carefully, um, but the industry had put that clause in there for, for a reason. So that, that's the situation right now where a lot of uh, small businesses want and have coverage under their property policy, um, but uh, obviously there's, there's a great need on the part of businesses that have closed to, to somehow recover. There were a few carriers um, and brokers who came up with um, uh, addendums to policies or standalone policies that would provide coverage somewhat like what would be needed in this corona exposure period, um, but there was no take-up. There was no interest in those products in the market. Um, they the, the couldn't get the amount of coverage and the pricing right to the to the point where uh, it became would be a viable product, and so those companies, in fact, took those products off the shelf. Interesting. Another thing that I've been seeing a lot and trying to make sense of are the various ways that regulatory bodies and, and legislatures have been responding uh, to this situation. Ed, could you take us through that? Yeah, sure. You know, it's um, it's unfolding in a very transparent way, and so we see every step along the way. Um, but I'll start with the regulators first. Um, you know, the Everybody is looking at what's happening to businesses and people and, and trying to figure out what they can do to help them. And so, you know, regulators initially came forward and said, if you could be more flexible with your customers in this time of need, uh, that would be greatly helpful. And so they talked about, um, uh, you know, providing uh, grace periods for um, operating with customers and, you um, talked about, you know, different things that you might be able to do to, to make the life of the customer easier. Um, but by and large, the regulators understand what Chris just took you through and that those uh, uh, business interruption exclusions uh, were put in the contracts for a reason, and, they, and none of the regulators were pressing for uh, any kind of um, other interpretation there. Legislatures also, looking out for their individual people, stepped in and said, what can we do about this? And they looked clearly at it and said, these businesses are interrupted and there must be something that we can do here. Um, but I don't think they have a full appreciation for how the insurance product works and what those assets that the companies have are intended for. Insurance companies make promises and they collect premium in payment for those promises and they hold that money until such time as those promises need to be made good. And if I use that money to make good on a promise that I never made, it's not there for the hurricane season when it shows up or the next accident that somebody has. And so we have to be careful that we don't use the money that we've collected for something other than what it was collected for. And so the, the industry has turned to the federal government because state legislatures individually were coming up with their own version of some sort of solution. New Jersey suggested something, Ohio suggested something, Massachusetts suggested something. And the industry basically said to the federal government, let's work out something that gets what you want to happen to happen, which is how do we get monies to the businesses in need and support our economy? Because we all know that small business leads us out of recession and, um, we need to take care of those people as much as possible so they are there when we're ready to, to return to full service. But they educated the federal government a little bit better. They spent a little bit of time talking about options. They, they made analogies to programs that we have in place already today, like flood, uh, where the uh, 
company will bring or the person will bring the claim to the insurance company. The insurance company will adjust it and determine how much it's worth and then pass it through to the federal government. And that was a proposal for some period of time. And then people realize that there are a number of small businesses in this country that don't have insurance or don't have sufficient insurance and in that model might not be able to claim any monies under this. So they've shifted to a new proposal which was recently brought forward but is still pending. And this is a recovery fund and it works somewhat like the fund that we set up after 9-11. And again, insurance companies as part of this proposal propose to be involved in gathering and arranging the information so that it can be fed in for consideration by the government. But it would pay critical expenses of the businesses that they're incurring in these periods when they're not having any business revenues. And that is a way to get money to more companies than we would have under the proposal that I said before. And so that's the proposal that's before them today. When we had phase three of the stimulus package come out, it did not address this issue. I think there's a lot of things in phase three that we'll see how they work. And then when phase four comes, if those aren't working sufficiently, we may see some action on this point. But a lot of good discussion has occurred and I think the industry and the government and the companies affected are moving toward a solution. Yeah. I mean, the only maybe additional detail or color I would add to that, Ed, is there have been estimates in the industry of if the virus exclusion was retroactively removed and there was coverage for this, well, that's exactly the reason it was there, that that would deplete industry surplus in a pretty short amount of time and you'd have instability in the insurance system and instability in the financial system and that wouldn't serve anyone's needs. So therefore, the industry's gotten together with actually many of the retail trade associations in making a proposal to the federal government to step in and be a backstop to get us through the current emergency. Yeah. So, Chris, what's your perspective on how insurers should be reacting to this activity by the regulators, by the legislatures, by the federal government? So, I would say, and the industry is reacting already, but, you know, the first and foremost thing is pay the valid claims. So, as I mentioned, not all forms have the exclusion and, you know, if you have a documented claim, get to work with the customer, make sure that they're whole, no one knows how long this will go on, so that would probably involve advanced payments to keep them afloat and periodic payments for as long as the coverage is active. So, that's first and foremost. Then, to try to deal with the current situation and cooperate with others to bring small businesses out of it, I mean, work with the federal government very closely, that's begun. I mentioned that the insurance trades and the retail trades together have a proposal to the federal government. Work with the states. The states want to take action. It could be that federal action is really necessary because of the nature of the, you know, government financing that's available to the federal government that's not available to the states, but make sure they're on board, make sure that they know there's proposals in the works to help and that they don't have to do anything on their own that may not be constructive. And, you know, make sure that nothing comes into play through that mechanism that would destabilize the industry to pay the valid claims that they have. 
Um, and I would also say, you know, try to work cooperatively. The last thing anyone wants, government, small business, insurers, is for something to happen that takes us into the courts because that wouldn't be conducive to anything happening quickly. But, you know, in all of these things, the, the guiding, you know, North Star is do what's right by the customers um, and taken taken as a whole, not not a small group of customers that may, you know, that, that actions may damage the larger group of customers, but just do what's right. And we're actually seeing uh, several companies step forward and do that. Um, we saw um, Allstate uh, recently announced that um, they have looked at their auto, their personal auto book, and they have uh, uh, recognized that people aren't driving while we're in this lockdown situation, and there's there's not as many accidents as a result. Uh, and so they've they've agreed to give back some premium. Uh, to those customers in in response to that as a way to as a way to help um, uh, they've also looked at um, uh, coverages that uh, people might need in this environment that they don't currently have so for example uh, restaurants uh, have gone to a delivery meal model rather than a sit-down model and that means that a number of them are and their employees are using their personal cars to deliver those meals um, that normally would not be coverage covered, and so we're seeing uh, that coverage be put in place. Um, so, and then uh, you know, as we uh, as we work from home, we expose ourselves a little bit more to cyber uh, risks, and so um, there are companies that are making cyber coverage available as well. Um, so, all of those things are examples of what companies can do uh, to help in this time of crisis. Ed. And as, as, as we're talking right now, I guess two companies have publicly announced the premium reductions on personal auto policies that, yep. you know, are parked in driveways now and not really generating accidents, um, Allstate and American Family. Uh, and so we expect others to follow. Um, they're just kind of looking at the, the situation now and trying to gauge just how much savings there is to pass back to customers. Right. Um, and the, the other interesting um, point here, since this is on regulation, is that companies can't just do that in many cases uh, because it would be viewed could be viewed as a violation of their rate filing. So there's got to be a lot of regulatory interaction, um, and uh, it seems like the companies are making that work, or in, they're in the course of making that work. But the the regulators would have to actually approve that. Um, in the case of stock companies, um, mutual insurance companies may have somewhat a, an ability to pass a special dividend. But um, it's interesting in the uh, in the news just today that the Consumer Federation of America, um, Robert Hunter, the, the, the head, praised these moves um, quite strongly uh, by Allstate and American Family. And Robert Hunter is usually one of the harshest critics right. of, of the industry. So that was, that was good to see. Um, I think it will continue to evolve as we as we move through this crisis. Things will continue to change, and I think companies' willingness uh, to adapt and to adjust, and and regulators, as Chris says, uh, willingness to work with those companies to get people what they need uh, is is something that that definitely will continue. So, if we if we look to the future, 
what paths do you see for reforming the system going forward? And, you know, it would be great to hear both the near-term possibilities and the, the long-term implications. Yeah, and, and maybe I'll take that first, the near-term uh, implications or needs for reform. Um, I'm going to define as kind of response to the to the current crisis. And, and I think it's there, it's, you know, kind of the immediate response items that, that I went over, um, you know, work collaboratively with the federal government, with the states, um, get something in place as part of the further, you know, CARES Act and, and stimulus to take care of small businesses that, that don't have coverage. Um, the insurance companies can be a mechanism to distribute that um, if it, you know, takes the form, for example, of go to small business customers and treat them as if they have this coverage and the federal government might fund that, um, then, you know, the, the insurance company's network of claims examiners and claims adjusters would be an ideal mechanism to fairly adjudicate that, that distribution of, of funds. So I think just this is unprecedented uh, times, so that calls for unprecedented action and, and quick action to make sure that, you know, when the, the, the current you know, shutter in place is lifted that the economy can return as quickly as possible uh, to a normal footing. And, and there's probably some long-term changes that need to take place, too. So I know you have thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, coming out of this, um, this uh, that we had, uh, we had business sustainability plans and we had uh, protections in place for our people that we thought dealt with what we knew might happen. And this is coming at us in a very different way, and it has affected us in a very different way than perhaps we would have thought it had. And so now after post-crisis is the opportunity to look at this and say, okay, what could we do differently? What could we have had in place that would make make more sense? And um, I think there really is an important dialogue to be had here with respect to what are the real risks that face businesses that operate here in the United States and what are the risks that are appropriate for them to retain? What are the ones that are appropriate for them to transfer to an insurance model and what are those that are appropriate to be borne by society because when you have gaps between those uh, that creates uncertainty and crisis and that's what causes all these challenges right and so if you have it better defined up front um, and how those things will work uh, I think people have a framework within which to solve problems more quickly. And so, for example, uh, you know, after 9-11, there was a lot of discussion about how do we cover terrorism uh, in this country. And so we created um, a terrorism a mechanism, terrorism fund we call TRIA, uh, where companies could buy terrorism insurance from insurance companies, uh, but the, those limits would cut out at some point, and the, the federal government steps in at a defined point. So it's very possible that we might want to create a, a similar structure uh, for pandemics, uh, although this really requires a, a fair amount more of analysis because it's, you know, most scenarios that you think of for terrorism, it's not the entire country uh, that is stopped. And so there might need to be nuances or changes to that structure, but it's a good example of something that we should consider. But that dialogue has to happen, and uh, I think um, if we're going to get any positive development out of this, uh, we need to grab that as quickly as we can once we're through. Great. Thank you both for your time.
today. This is really helpful. I think you made some of these um, concepts a little easier to understand, so thank you for that. And I hope to have you both uh, back in the studio again soon. Great. Thank you. You have been listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. For more insights, visit listen.kpmg.us slash insurance insights 360.